Okay, hello and uh, welcome to the monthly briefing, uh, market briefing from uh, the Rose Cut Investment Team. It's been a sort of a strange month in that headline markets actually have been very, very stable, very range bound. Uh, we've had the initial shock in markets in March. We've had the quite massive policy response from central banks, from governments, and things are beginning to to settle down. Daniel, just just to pass to you, what are the mo- the more interesting market developments you've seen in the last month? Given, of course, that it has been range bound at the you know at the very very high level. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I think we've seen some positive news items out there, uh, particularly relating to the work the medical community is doing in developing vaccines and drugs. So there's been a couple of positive news stories about uh, a couple of drugs that help uh, the symptoms, potentially out of a margin, but it's, it's a positive impact. Uh, and I think we'll continue to see these incremental improvements uh, in treating the coronavirus over time. On the downside, we have seen Donald Trump um, continue the um, fallout with China, shall we say. Uh, so there's been a bit of, uh, uh, it's moved into almost more of a capital war, in a sense, rather than just a trade war. Uh, but that's not, that's not the main driver of markets at present. I think it's still, you know, the ongoing shutdowns associated with coronavirus. And, you know, it's worthwhile as an exercise looking at the valuation of, of some companies. Uh, because it reminds me of 2009, when you were looking at valuations and you just have to ask yourself, if I'm not going to buy into them now, when am I going to buy into them? Yeah, and, and they, they are quite stretched. I mean, tech valuations are, are extremely high. I suppose old economy valuations, um, things like energy, banks, etc., re- really low. Um, one of the other trends I think we've seen across the, the month as well is that volatility has come right down. The VIX volatility index was up in the 80s, now down in the 30s, which is still, still actually quite high. And then elsewhere, I think there's just been general stabilization. The dollar is uh, still strong and well bid. I think we, we, we have been keeping an eye on some of the financial stocks, also the consumer stocks. What have you been seeing um, on the fixed income side, Daniel? In terms of I think the corporate bond markets are the most interesting part of fixed income. And really what we've seen is they've stabilized now. And so companies can issue debt and uh, help their refinancing needs, uh, which was the big concern we had back in March because these markets had, had really seized up. But now they are open for business again and they're trading in a more normal uh, fashion. But what we haven't seen yet is spreads come in. So in other words, the amount of um, spread that people demand for the risk associated with investing in corporates rather than government bonds. And uh, I, I think when we see those spreads start to come in, then we'll feel you know, even more positive about the recovery. Um, but for now, they've been a little bit like equity markets, largely range bound over the past month. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the, I mean, the, in many ways, the, the real world has been more interesting than the market world in the last few weeks. We're beginning to get a sense, I think, of how consumers are going to change. Clearly, the digital economy is going to be more important. I think we'll also see big changes in real estate as people begin to adjust their lives, the way they work, to the the lessons of the of the crisis. I suspect also that when we get the the end of the lockdown in full, you will have a a short term surge in consumer spending as people get back to the to the shops. And then maybe I think as we get through the rest of the year we'll begin 
to get a better sense, uh, I think, as to how people have been scarred by the crisis in terms of do they become more precautionary, cautious as consumers? Will they save more? Uh, and also, I think, um, how they they embed the lessons of the crisis in their spending habits. Do they spend more on healthcare? Do they drive less, for example? So I think a lot of that is going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's an excellent point. Uh, and it's the same conversation that everyone was having back in 2009, once again. Uh, you know, we thought that the consumer would be a lot more uh, cautious in terms of having bigger rainy day funds, not using as much debt to buy houses, etc. But uh, actually, the consumer kind of forgot the lesson after a couple of years. Uh, and that is the concern this time. You know, with any luck, we'll find that consumers are probably logging onto the reverse cut platform and uh, getting a good reminder to keep rainy day funds uh, aside. That's obviously my bias coming through. Um, but uh, just to return to your point on uh, property and the commercial real estate in particular, you know, I saw news out from, I think it was Land Securities this week, where they were saying that only 10% of office space is being used and they're picking up rent for that space. Uh, so that's, you know, that's clearly having an impact on these stocks. But the, the valuation of the equity, um, you know, the share prices, compared to the net asset value, so you know, what the properties are, are currently um, valued at, and that does take into account you know, some of the impact we've seen already on coronavirus. Uh, these stocks are trading at 50% of their net asset value. So it'll really be fascinating to see how much, uh, well, whether enough bad news has been priced in. There's certainly a big uh, margin for error there. I think one, one more maybe final point just to keep an eye on people are, are, are maybe more sensitized now to the the idea of kind of of, of uh, black swans kind of random mm. events that, that upset yeah. the world people keep asking me uh, you know will Europe break up which is not really a black swan because we think about it all the time I, I don't <laughs> think so the, the one I'm I am focused on is the the US China relationship where mm. There are so many different facets, supply chains, um, Taiwan Semi, for example, uh, planning to be, build new capacity in the US. This time, uh, lots of rhetoric, which I think will continue to uh, the elections in, in November. So that that's one to watch because it is the, the big fault line of uh, of globalization. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was, was it 2016 when the Manimbi was uh, moving through seven? you know, against the dollar. I think we've just started to see that happen again. So that's, uh, it's definitely um, something to keep in mind, should I say. So, you know, when we think about putting together a risk scorecard for all the things that could catch us out, that's definitely one to keep on there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, I think we, we'll probably wrap it up. Uh, a, a sort of a calm-ish uh, month, I think. Um, plenty of risks ahead, but also think they're they're at the same time dosed with lots of policy stimulus. And I think the the next phase of the, the crisis to watch really is just just balance sheet, corporate balance sheets, and how resilient they they are. Uh, so thanks very much, Daniel, and um, uh, have a good month ahead, everybody. Thank you, Mike.